0: Hello, sorry, and welcome to. That was a long hello. Hello, <laughs> and welcome to Sounds from the Symphonies with Gary and Rob, coming to you from the should-be-torn-down Winchester Building, in the downtown Metropolis area. Are you reading the script? No. I, I gave him the script again this week. And no. He's not. I was staring at, me. at something past the script. Now, last week, as you remember, Rob, do you remember last week? I remember a bit of last week. I don't yeah, remember much yeah, of it. It's
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. coming back. I remember. I was
0: feeling a little under the weather. Do you remember? I remember that a
1: bit. Yeah. I, can't. I remember a hilarious commercial. Did we?
0: <laughs> I can't remember. I swear to God, I cannot remember the first half hour of last week's show. I do remember we reviewed the Doors album. But we did a really yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, but the first half hour is a total blur. And I guess we did do the commercial for Sid's discount sex Yeah, yeah. Warehouse, I but I can't remember it. I was not really here
1: (laughs) I only know that because you reminded me
0: (laughs) (laughs) I seem to have drifted with the points I was trying to make but of course thank God Rob was here to do absolutely nothing to rein me back in I looked at Rob once when I was like blabbering about my ex-girlfriend, and I kind of forgot that we were doing a show, and he was just listening. That is fascinating. <laughs> so actually, it was our producer Uptown Mike's job to keep things uh, moving in smoothly. the direction. Yeah. yeah, Mike was asleep. <laughs> we don't like to we don't like to wake up Uptown Mike when he's sleeping during the show.
1: No, he throws bricks. <laughs> he's got a big newspaper bag full of bricks that he just carries around. With
0: him. <laughs> yeah, he's a boob. <laughs> he's known—he's known around uh, the sounds from the seventies office as a boob. Yeah,
1: that's what he calls himself when he throws a brick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anywho, I'm feeling better this week. Uh, actually, I don't have a stomach bug anymore. I still, I, you know, I had it for quite a while actually. I thought it would just be for one day, but it was. It was I thought you were gonna go alien and uh, just fall
1: over backwards, uh, spasming while uh, something burst out of your stomach and uh, went into my ductwork.
0: Went into your what? Ductwork. Oh. <laughs> okay. You know. Just, just so everybody knows, I have never been in his ductwork. I don't really <laughs> swing that way, but <laughs> I just, I, 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 I'm a little bit uncomfortable right now. Uh, aliens exist. Aliens
1: exist. They're out there.
0: Oh, we're still talking about aliens. I'm still talking about the duck because I, <laughs> I I don't do that. So uh, Mike's kind of cute though, in a way.
1: I, I don't notice. Uh, I uh, well I don't men, I don't I, 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 I can't. No, tell. I, I, don't I, I don't
0: know. He's cuter than you. That's all. I've I I heard, heard
1: yes from ladies.
0: Anyways, <laughs> 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 so uh, we are continuing this week with our two-week look at bands who carried on without their almost irreplaceable singers and frontmen uh, with a discussion and review of the uh, Billion Dollar Babies 1970 album, sorry, 1977 yeah, album, mm-hmm. battleaxe or as I call it, my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. that was a stinger. I haven't heard Get that. Get it, of lax, since the, My ex-girlfriend? Not since the Flintstones. That type of humor, you won't find on other podcasts, people. You won't. <laughs> Try and find that type of humor on the gardening uh, podcast. You won't find that.
1: You can't call him a Badlax anymore. You just have to say, oh, well, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we had a mutual separation. uh No, she was a battle
0: axe. (laughs) I'm sorry. We don't do political correctness on this show, and we never will. (laughs) Because political correctness, uh, if it's funny, we use it. That's all. all. We have have no axe to grind against anybody. We love everybody. But that also means everybody, including us, is up for ribbing, no matter what. Yeah.
1: The rule of thumb is don't draw attention to yourself. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. (laughs)
0: Uh, oh, just so you know, the Billion Dollar Babies used to be the Alice Cooper band, but this time when they recorded their album, they had no Alice, just band, <laughs> but we'll talk about that more uh, later on in the show. Oh, Rob, I wanted to, I want to ask you something before we continue. This is important, so pay attention. Unlike other times on the show, pay attention. All um, right. I'm listening. We know that you were in the local dinner theater productions of La Cage I <laughs> so played the game. I made myself laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the dinner theater productions of La Caja Fall and Death of a Salesman. And well, both, both plays <laughs> failed pretty miserably, <laughs> critically and commercially. As in, hardly anyone went to see both debacles. A good effort. Or as one critic put it, the death of dinner theaters, we know it. <laughs> which, even though I, I, I saw, I saw I La Caja Fall, which was pretty, pretty horrendous. I didn't, I didn't bother to go see Death of the salesman because I knew it was going to be bad. We didn't have enough scripts. Uh, you didn't, he didn't have enough up here to realize <laughs> that maybe you shouldn't have done it in the first place. And our director, who, who was that guy? You, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you directed it, you goof. Uh, by now, uh, your little acting troupe, or waiting for Guffman wannabes as they go, are planning a whole new production this summer. Is this true? Absolutely. Wow. You guys 100%. are getting right back on the old horse, as they say. Yeah, yeah we uh,
1: are working people working theater people, and you don't just uh, stop working because a, a critic or an audience doesn't like you.
0: You're like working circus people. You, you're like freaks. You're like people who nobody wants to see, but you still go out there and give it
1: 100%. I'm a um, dancing bee in a field of dancing bees.
0: So somebody told me it's an adaptation of the musical Annie Gets Your Gun, right?
1: Well, not exactly. It's actually more of a, a 21st century homage to the musical, and it's called Annie's Got a Gun, (laughs) and it stars the first transvestite actress or actor or whatever that we have in the troupe, and we are very excited about the whole thing.
0: Wait a minute. Do you mean mean Annie's Got a Gun as in a penis? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Annie was born Andrew and uh, now is an adult in the Old West. He's making quite a stir for himself in all the towns with uh, his or her marksmanship. And the fact that he or she has a gun, or or dick as we call it in the play, and I must say that the actress who plays Annie Roxette Lelouch Whoa. does an amazing job and makes quite a fetching woman. In fact, <laughs> I didn't even know after a whole week of rehearsals that she was packing.
0: Packing heat, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, as usual, this sounds like a terrible idea. Um... <laughs> For you so-called actors to undertake. I mean, who thinks... Who who actually comes up with these terrible ideas? Do you all get together and, like, round a table and say, I got a bad idea. <laughs> let's, let's do this play. We kind of draw straws.
1: <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we, you work on something a while. You throw it at the wall. Maybe it sticks. Mostly it
0: doesn't. Like poo. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was thinking more spaghetti, but that
0: actually works. Yeah. So you thought it would be a good idea... To do a Broadway adaptation, <laughs> a transvestite adaptation of Annie Get Your Gun.
1: Called Annie's Got a Gun.
0: Wow. You know what? I'm actually curious to see this. I know it's it's in the early stages of just rehearsals, but I'm actually uh, I'd actually like to see this one. There's something could could <laughs> pop out which would be very interesting I think initially. this one's going to
1: be different from the rest oh yes
0: <laughs> oh yes all right buy your tickets now so
1: uh, oh you know what it's time for Rob it is time for
0: the 70's <laughs> Memories Oh yeah, we were supposed to... Those are That unusual. was actually Those nice. were some unusual harmonies. It was. It was kind of scary. I hope people weren't scared. I hope the kids were where are in bed. But anyways, um we I was supposed to have a new episode, a new segment this week, but I'm delaying <clears been> <throat> it till next week cuz it's so good. Yeah,
1: then it's you don't want to put it out unrefined or it'll be like uh, oil that won't burn in the engine.
0: And this week <laughs> we look back At the Hollywood blockbusters of the 1970s. I don't like when you read my script. I just don't like it. I don't know. It's unnatural. It's unnatural because you work. You work without a script. And when you read my script, you're prepared. And I don't like when you're prepared.
1: You're going to get what you deserve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, where was I? Sorry about that interruption. But I don't like when he reads the scripts because he's not as good when he knows what's coming. I don't (laughs) know. Know what it's about. And uh, so this week we look at the Hollywood blockbusters of the 1970s. Hey, kids, come and see the Hollywood blockbuster. Oh, it's Jaws. Oh, it's great. It's the Exorcist. Oh, no, it's Boy, a devil.
1: The so, Godfather. The Godfather.
0: <laughs> I'd be pretty good as uh, one of those people on the street trying to get people in. Oh, no,
1: look at her. She's Tell a in. I got the ladies wearing clothes, ladies without
0: clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. And so, uh, you know, the blockbuster started in the 70s. Now, again, I could make this really complicated and make this into uh, a psychological medium, which I'm going to anyway, because that's my job. Why do they call them blockbusters? Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Don't be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But the blockbuster really started in the 70s because the 70s were prime for advertisement. It was... Huge amount of people than there's ever been, and there was a counterculture of young kids who were now going to movies. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. I'm trying not to get too uh, philosophical about the whole thing or whatever it may be called, but it was there. There was no the the big thing is that when a movie came out in the '70s and it was big and it was huge and everybody went to see it. There were you remember hearing well, there'd be lines, lines around lines around for blocks on end to go see a movie. Yeah. And s- everybody would talk Star about Star
1: Wars it. Uh, people actually going to see a movie multiple times mm-hmm. which I never heard of before.
0: The first first time I ever heard of it, of course me and Rob were really young. Yeah. But I still remember hearing I've never heard about this before. I'd never heard it about even the year before with the French Connection or any of those movies. But by 1972, when when The Godfather came out, I heard of people going so many times to see it, and every time, every every time uh, you went, there was lineups, which was kind of a not a novelty, but a novelty for just one movie. You know, like it was huge; like everybody went to see it, and a big thing about that is. Television was bigger than ever by the '70s, and now you had a new way of promoting movies, and now you had magazines promoting movies because magazines became really like like culture magazines like Rolling Stone and were promoting were promoting movies, and there was just so much promotion movies, and there was and there was always the gap between the media that would come in the '80s that hadn't arrived yet, so you either watched TV, which had the three channels. <laughs> you listen to radio, which wasn't a, which really was only for music. Now, like people used to listen to the radio for the radio shows in the forties and fifties, yeah. and that was gone. Now grew, no, radio we was. We music.
1: grew up pretty much without radio shows. Uh, yeah, we did yeah, My radio shows I well, heard were tapes of. Uh, we're not that old.
0: <laughs> we're not. Uh, we're not going back to like uh the and and yeah, Dogo. the Lone Ranger and stuff like that. But that's what. In fact, <laughs> I know cuz my mom told me that my grandfather her mom, her dad who died before i was born but he used to like listen to shows on the radio like his shows like people watch their soap operas yeah, nowadays yeah. Every day, he had his stories that he would listen to every day and the radio was a big thing and it still was a big thing in the 50s even when when you had television come in and then the 60s 60s was weird we'll just leave the 60s because there's a whole combination of things happening in the 60s. But the 70s now, like, people got income. People are really looking to do – because the counterculture has really kind of taken over as far as buying stuff is concerned. It used to be they'd be on the fringe, and, like, it wasn't until, like – didn't we didn't have movies of our own until easy rider came out and that was like 1969 (laughs) so now we got this whole second golden age of movies where the young punk directors francis coppola and martin scorsese and steven spielberg uh, george lucas all these guys are making movies at the same time brian de palma they're all making movies there's this whole new the counterculture is now making movies
1: yeah, they weren't part of the establishment. I mean, the, right. some of them were part of the establishment in the, the 50s and 60s when they broke in. I mean, uh, Dennis Hopper and uh, a bunch of guys. But uh, their movie's different. The movies were different. They were uh, a lot more realistic. They didn't look like movies. They felt a bit more like real life.
0: Oh, yeah. That's why they called the second golden age of Hollywood, mm-hmm. because the movies all of a sudden had become very American. They weren't like the... the the new wave movies that came in the 60s from europe or the fellini like pictures they were kind of like a combination of everything they were kind of a combination of the french new wave and they were along with the north american ideals and just hey i got an idea and i'm gonna do it and you had nobody saying no because all of a sudden the director was the auteur the director was the man and whatever he said was how now how pictures were made and these guys were like twenty-five years old, making <laughs> pictures, and uh, that's the people that were—they were that Hollywood and everybody else was looking up to. So pictures were king. Oh man, I just remember yeah. not being old enough to go to the movies, but always hearing about this movie. And I remember hearing about the Sting, about how everybody—you'd even hear it on TV shows. Oh, what are we going to go to tonight on a TV show? <laughs> oh, oh, we should go to that. We should go to the Sting or whatever. And then that would be the, the big film. And everybody would talk about it. Like, films were a lot more important as far you could only watch it uh, in a theater. That's right. You and you usually, uh... if you wanted to watch it at home, you'd have to wait two or three years until it uh, came, uh, you know, on, on the movie networks. watching some movies
1: in the schools three or four years after they came out, and they actually uh, had the real projectors. Yeah, the real <laughs> yeah. projectors. We talked
0: about the projectors before on the show about, you know... Uh, and they would actually show us movies. I think they did in every school at certain times, either for educational purposes or just to just to uh, amuse us at the end of the school year. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just to kill time, just to round the
1: clock down. Um, <laughs> they could have let us out, but no, stay that extra afternoon.
0: I actually, there were some really good movies. I remember the first time. I'm getting off the subject a little bit here, but I'll get back to it. First time I ever saw West Side Story was in high school, and the teacher wanted us to watch it. And of course, it's a very long movie, and it's got, and in you know, early early 1980s, like 1980, 81, something like that. Uh, kids dancing around and singing yeah. <laughs> in, in 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 gangs was not exactly yeah, but I'm telling you, we started, we laughed at the beginning. We didn't laugh after about 20 minutes because we were totally absorbed in this amazing movie that uh, the kind of story kind of took over. And it's still a story about, you know, two gangs that don't like each other that are from different places. And that will always kind of ring true. Haven't seen it all the way through. It's a long movie. <laughs> but we had to watch it in school. I guess you didn't watch it when... No, I am But uh, I just remember I that... Uh, the teacher wanted us to watch it. Anyways, movies were big. You, if you wanted to see a movie, you had to go to the theater. I mean, you did have to before, but 70s culture now, the advertisement for, for pictures was just through the roof. Yeah,
1: So you had us... the radio
0: uh, giving you advertisements in between the songs. You now had TV with, uh, with the actual uh,
1: commercials. The right, trailers, so. yeah,
0: uh, being shown as commercials. And it, it was really a, a big uh, decade for movies. Probably the last really big decade be, yeah, because yeah. VCRs came in the 80s and then cable TV. It's the last big decade where movies were, as far as movies were concerned, theater. That was it. <laughs> that was the last decade where theaters and that was it. Um, So it did, it did kind of start. And every year had its course. I remember The Exorcist. If anybody was around at that time, holy smokes! Yeah. The, I heard about The Exorcist almost weekly, if not daily. You would hear reports on the news about people fainting and throwing <laughs> up, and still people going back and seeing it, and it being like the scariest picture of that mankind of all ever, time, of yeah. all time. And I remember when they finally played it on TV in the late seventies and. I remember it was a school night. I can't remember. I can't remember when it was. It was way late in the '70s. And, yeah, uh, I think
1: I saw the first part of it in the night. I, had to go I bed. did. I had to see the first part. Go it and go to bed. We were <laughs> the same age, so it was on TV. And it was
0: a big deal on the TV because it was supposed to be the scariest movie of all time. Yeah. And I was just scared watching the beginning, and I had to go to bed. <laughs> but then I remember, thank God, I didn't ever watch it because it was so. And actually, when I actually did watch it. It was yeah. probably just as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it
1: freaked me out the first time. I, saw it. I was probably like in my teens by then.
0: But the term blockbuster really yeah. came with Jaws. And I actually, my sister actually is, did take me to see Jaws in 75 when it first came out. That's where the term blockbuster. Now, blockbuster usually means a summer movie. And that's where Jaws really started. Jaws was, again, around the block. You couldn't go to any showing of Jaws without the place being packed. I went on a Sunday afternoon, I think, with my sister. The place was packed. Like, every single seat was gone. And uh, people had seen it many times already by that point. But still would go, "Ah!" at certain scenes. (laughs) uh, Scared the hell out of me and it was just amazing the grip like you don't even know the movies half half the time nowadays what's what's hip what's going on it's just it's just a a bunch of media other sorts of it's it's mixed in with all the other media that's happening with uh, everything you know with the internet and games yeah and, yeah and yeah scene uh,
1: you got a song playing here the radio and uh...
0: yeah and all oh, this TV show that started like game of thrones oh everybody's watching that and then you start talking about other things. And there's so much media nowadays from all different parts that uh, films just don't have the, the water cooler talk that it used to have. Where I mean, that's yeah. all you talked about. And it would be on the TV shows, like I said. And it was huge. And then, of course, the movie came along, which yeah. changed everything, which was 1977 and Star Wars, which I probably saw... Oh, I don't know, six times, I guess. I can't remember. Uh, I know that my sister, I think, took me twice, and then I went with friends about three times, and every show was packed. Every show was, seriously, every show was packed for about all of 1977. I I can't
1: remember the last time I saw
0: a packed theater. I can't either, to be honest with you. I really can't remember. I remember almost going to movies, Regularly, when we got to be of age, of eighteen, and unless you went at night uh, on a Friday, it was never packed again, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not saying that's the way it was, but every time I went, it was like that. No.
1: Yeah. No, I haven't seen it in a long time. And lineups in front of movie theaters.
0: Oh, Maybe the five, lineups! My God. Know. My God, the lineups! If you wanted to see a movie at that time that was popular, forget it.
1: Yeah, you had to get there early.
0: You, you had actually to had to get there, you you there actually actually early. You actually had to get there about 45 minutes early. Now, that's unspeakable. Spent, even in the 80s, that was unspeakable. Like By the eighties, by the mid-80s, you could go 10 minutes before a show and still get a good seat. Not that it wasn't a lot of people there, but there was no trouble yeah. getting to see the movie. Uh, times had changed. There was videos now that people would stay home and watch, plus movies. I'm surprised. Everybody was saying that, that movies... In theaters would die because of the VCR. But they didn't actually. More people went to the movies. People thought they'd die when DVDs would come around. No, people are still, still went to movies with People think that movies are dying in the theater with streaming now, but people are still going to the theaters as much as before. You had. I guess you you got to
1: take the girl someplace public. You know what? It is the (laughs) ultimate dating vehicle.
0: Yeah. It is the ultimate. I don't know what to do. Why don't we go to a movie?
1: Yeah, I don't know you that well. I don't know what you like. You don't know what I like. Uh, Here's a stupid excuse to spend time together. Let's go to a movie.
0: That's very true, Rob. I I never. (laughs) I actually, I never had thought of that. When I was thinking of the segment, but it's true. I can't uh, think
1: of too many other things that uh, still let the uh, or even when you're bored, people.
0: even when you're bored, it's kind of like, oh you want to play a game? No, not really. Well, how about we go see a movie? Sure. Um, it doesn't happen too much nowadays, but no. I remember in the 80s that we used to do that all the time. Well, let's go see a movie. And uh, so it's always uh, uh for oh, 70, 80 years been the way of entertainment but the 70s was just like huge the 70s was like when a movie was big that's all anybody talked about because the world was much smaller back then as far as media like we've said as media concerned, you didn't have a whole bunch of stuff happening so the thing that usually happened was you'd have big albums you know you'd have two or three albums that were that everybody bought every year and you had the movies which you talked about or even books. You know, they would have like two or three really big bestsellers that everybody would talk about. Oh yeah. Because yeah. those were the only real entertainment things that you had was was literature and movies and Music. albums. And when they when they sold, my God, they sold. Like Godfather was the biggest selling movie up to that time, and then it was surpassed by Star Wars, and then that would eventually get surpassed. But you know what was the biggest movie up until Godfather overtook it? it? was Gone with the Wind, and that was like 34 years before <laughs> that. And then every s- movie seemed to get more and more people watching it, and it just seemed to grow. You right. know what I mean? Like, it almost sprouted, like like going to see a movie, all of a sudden it started with The Godfather yeah, as a blockbuster, and things... everybody went to the next one like it's in an event. It didn't really
1: change too much for the amounts of the media you had between the 60s and the 70s, but... The fact that films became different like that in the seventies—it was a weird period. That uh, in music as well. It was almost like uh, companies, movie companies, record companies—they kind of admitted, "Okay, we really don't know what the young people want, so we're going to find some uh, uh, some people and just let them experiment."
0: The similar- that never happened the in the sixties. Similarities. And it's not happening too much now. That nowadays. is so true. <clears throat> the similarities between. Music in the 60s and films in the 60s and music in the 70s and films in the 70s are almost parallel because the culture was like that. Like the actual yeah. culture that we were living in was, first of all, the older generation dominated, it seemed, the culture for the first yeah. seven years of the 60s. And then all of a sudden, the youth. Uh, in movies was concerned, Easy Rider came out and then just like Rob said... The big wigs at the movie studio says, we don't know how to make movies anymore like we, these kids do. We're we don't just know what's going to be popular. popular. We don't know what's going to be popular. Let's just let them run with it. Same thing with music. All of a sudden, by 67, 68, weird things are happening. A lot of the record companies just said, go to San Francisco and sign as many bands as yeah. you can. And let them do what they do, because we don't know what they're doing, but the kids are buying. It. <laughs> and that's why you have a golden age in the 70s, because our culture took over movies in the 70s. And yeah. our culture took over the music in the 70s. And it will never happen like that again. But that's why both no. both eras are called the golden age. You're still the second have to... golden age of movies and the golden age of, of, of rock music.
1: You still got the, the the establishment trying to cater, but now they kind of think, okay, now we know what we're doing. We won't allow any of that. We're not going to let this Exactly.
0: Happen. You, you know what you just said is just like they let free reign go for the seventies, both in music yeah. and in movies. And then by the eighties, they said, "I think we know now," and we're gonna we're gonna get it. We're gonna we're gonna grasp that. We're gonna we're gonna, to we're rain gonna it in. yeah. We're gonna rein it in, and we're gonna combine what we know with what they know, and we're going to not let them have 100% bo- Brilliant.
1: in both yeah. fields,
0: in both fields, and, you know, this is both fields have never been the same since. No, I wonder if we'll
1: get another weird, freaky time like that. You know what we need? We need a really big war, and then right after that, we'll have a weird, freaky time. Yeah, sure.
0: You know, we should start another Vietnam. You should go over to some of nah. those countries. that just cause
1: trouble. It's going to be bigger than that.
0: <laughs> you want to start a war bigger World than Vietnam? World
1: War III we need a world war 3
0: you know what if anybody it's could for do the it, culture you could
1: <laughs>
0: anyways That's i hope we enlightened you about what it. it was like to 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 see movies in the 70s <laughs> kind of enlightened us cuz we really didn't see movies till the very end of the 70s <laughs> in theaters unless it was a kids movie but uh, we knew what it was we knew we knew that we were hip enough to know what was going on, even though we couldn't go to the movies, the culture just,
1: yeah, they couldn't, it was ha- about they that. couldn't hide it from
0: You us. couldn't hide it from us, that was everywhere. So, oh, you know what? Damn it, Rob. We got no
1: time for that.
0: I'm gonna have to make time. I, I was gonna cut it out, but then I said, Email, <laughs> okay, I like email, email. you like email, email. we all Love like email. email. Okay, I like the old I like the old uh, jingle compared to the the one I had before, which 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 stank up a good storm.
1: I I was loving the email, and you were liking the email. It's uh, it's like we didn't show up for rehearsals.
0: Oh, didn't we? <laughs> I guess ah. we
1: didn't. <laughs>
0: Damn, next week. <laughs> okay, today's email is from Toby Smolakowski. Nice Toby, of Portland, Oregon, USA. You know why you know why I like the name Toby, Rob Roots. that's terrible that's terrible i would never say something like that it's
1: the first time i ever heard the name so oh that's
0: terrible that you equate everything back to slavery well send all your emails to rob
1: oh come on slavery was funny wasn't it
0: what i like about the name toby unlike rob who always thinks of slaving the black man like they should be right rob <laughs> uh is yeah, both right <laughs> both the first and last named toby well <clears throat> it can either be like like a woman's name or a man's name maybe not i don't know toby toby, toby.
1: <laughs> well, see that's the problem because the only other toby i knew of was
0: was a cat yeah, you know, you could be a cat. Toby, are you a cat? Toby, Toby Smolikowski, his... are you a cat? I'm <laughs> I can't not, even pronounce last I'm day. not, not going to make fun of his name because we make fun of people then they don't want to write in. Toby Smolikowski, we have the <laughs> utmost respect for you. You have the name of a cat, but that's okay with us. All
1: right? And also, uh, Toby, if uh, you're uh, who I uh, think you might be, uh, there might be a role for you in my new play. And he's got a gun.
0: (laughs) You think Toby is, uh, he dresses a little differently from other guys?
1: With a name like Toby? uh, Yeah, we're pretty sure. So we're going to identify you as a guy for now. We just lost Toby. Until we hear otherwise.
0: If Toby's not, then we just (laughs) lost Toby as a listener for good. (laughs) So anyways, so what's the question from the Tobemeister?
1: I'll read it to you. Hey, guys. How many times do you listen to an album you're reviewing the week you are reviewing it?
0: That is an amazing question from an amazing man slash woman, Toby. (laughs) A couple
1: times. (laughs) I I got two listens on this one. Well, I try and get four.
0: Actually, Rob, Rob actually listens to an album in a week, which is pretty good. That's six or seven days. He listens to it four or five times, don't you?
1: Yeah, because some of these, uh, like I said, are the kind that of grow on you. You don't know. The first time you hear it, you're like, uh, I'm not quite sure what he's up to. And then after the third or fourth time, it's like,
0: oh, yeah, I'm kind of getting it. Yeah, Rob's really good at that. He actually, he doesn't do dick all about anything else on this show, but he's pretty dedicated that when we pick out an album,
1: I got listen. uh, he, he listens gotta to listen. it
0: like as, as much as he can. I've listened to a lot of the albums already, so I don't have to, I just have to re- familiarize myself with it but an album like this actually this album at Billion Dollar Babies that in just about two minutes we're going to review I listened to this album more than I've listened to any album that we've reviewed so far and that's true I don't uh, yeah well we're not going to go back to the Captain Tennille episode because that was a really dark place in my life and it was really dark because of Captain Tennille but I actually since I, of course, had never heard a Captain Antonio album before. like Yeah, an album. that was a bit um, of a shocker. I had yeah. no s-
1: such things could exist. But <laughs> since I wasn't
0: familiar with it, I had to listen to it a couple times. And it, it sent me into a place I don't want to go. <laughs>
1: were like, okay, I heard it once, but was that real?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the famous story was I was pretty much in a bad funk. And I told Rob this with a, uh, an email or on Skype. And he said, Man, you gotta listen to something else. Or else That's It's right. gonna kill you. Rub that stuff out of your mind right now. <laughs> and it worked, but I was really—I I, in all seriousness—I did say to Rob, "I don't know if I want to do this show anymore yeah. if we have to li- listen to shit like this."
1: <laughs> you can't let that sort of thing get you down.
0: <laughs> so I only listened to it probably twice because I'm all—either I'm—you've heard them I'm, before. I'm familiar with either. Yeah, yeah. I've either heard it a lot or I'm familiar with it where I've heard it even in the background. I'm familiar with what, yeah, I'm I'll just say I'm more familiar than Rob, but still, I'm always amazed at the dedication Rob has to listen to an album. Like when, we, when I say we're doing this album oh, this yeah, week, yeah. he's like He's like, I'm listening to it, and I'm listening to it, and I, I, listen find to it I find in it Nail admirable. Four yeah. or
1: five times. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's pretty cool.
0: Um, I only expect him to listen to it when we started the show, probably twice. No, because my concentration, my attention
1: span is not that great. No. It's
0: not so great. I
1: know as I put on the album the first time, I'm going to be uh, wandering in and out of thoughts. And well, you have, you have
0: mental problems. Which, really, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, the concentration is just not there. Yeah, it's uh, be, you're not uh, you're
0: not exactly have a full deck of cards there.
1: Yeah, you. yeah. Like I'll be doing one thing and thinking of something else and then the thing I'm monkeys. doing goes. monkeys, falls monkeys apart.
0: playing playing tennis. Yeah, <sighs>
1: or hanging from the the barrel with those little hooks,
0: I don't know. So thanks, Tob. <laughs> that was actually a good question Uh, we will be sending you a box of rice cakes Ooh, we got rice cakes again and a sorry note for sending the rice cakes (laughs) 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 personally signed by Rob and myself Uh, all emails should be sent to soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com that is of course sounds from the 70s (laughs) soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com And if you're going to send nude pictures of your wife or girlfriend in the email, make sure you get her permission. And if you can't, well, make sure you have a good insurance plan because, well, (laughs) she might go snippety-snip in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah, you'll need
1: medical insurance for that.
0: So it brings us to today's album, In The Spot. Like, ta-da! Which is I'm gonna have a jingle for every segment, and I don't even want to have a jingle for every segment, but I love doing that.
1: Oh well, yeah, it depends on, on what sorts of spirits. I'm gonna
0: do it again. Today's album in the spotlight, Ta-da! <laughs> so we we're talking about now. I just I bet you I lost a I lot of viewers, I lost a lot of listeners just with that one just that one thing. Strangely enough,
1: it told me that I'd better sit up and take notice right now. This is important. Well, didn't didn't signal
0: that for me. <laughs> signal that we're almost at end, ending the show soon. So uh, today we're talking about the 1977 one and only album by the members of the Alice Cooper band, without Alice Cooper. Sans Alice. Called Billion Dollar Babies, and their album Bad Lacks. And you know, the strange thing, I read a lot about this album, because we had talked about doing this album a long, not a long time ago, maybe five weeks ago, yeah. and we were just bullshitting after a show and then for some reason that had come up in the discussion and I just said wow, we should do that album <laughs> because we were just talking about stuff like that and, and then Rob said, okay, let's do it. And uh, there was a lot more, and we're big, everybody knows who listens to the show, we're big Alice Cooper fans.
1: Um, I, love Alice I I love
0: thought that yeah we think we know everything about Alice <laughs> Cooper but I did a lot of uh, groundwork and I was really surprised uh, of what I learned I'm not going to go into the Alice Cooper we went into the Alice Cooper stuff when we reviewed Muscle Love uh, Alice Cooper big band blah 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 released four cr- classic albums one after another in the 70s all, all these hit singles like 10 just just totally dominating the, the rock and roll, hard rock scene. Yeah, he showed them what the shock rock was all about. He sure did. Well, they sure did. They were a band. They were not. <clears throat> it's hard to imagine nowadays. And it's even hard to imagine for us because we came along Alice Cooper as Alice Cooper. You know, yeah. like as Alice Cooper, the man. I mean, this was way before our time. That's right. So I, I had even to learn it,
1: later on that there was an Alice Cooper
0: right, band. Right. We had we had to learn just like everybody else. And even 30, 40 years later, we're still adapting that when we're talking about the Alice Cooper band, Alice was just a singer and the guy who wrote some of the lyrics I, and stuff.
1: I, I still sometimes refer to John Mellencamp as John Cougar. <laughs> <laughs> Which he hasn't been for 30 years.
0: Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> so the Rob loves when I say anyway because I say anyway probably about four times a show trying to get the show back on course. Usually we'll more than that. Um, it's interesting because I had thought that after uh, the album that we reviewed, Muscle of Love in 1974, that the band had just decided to. Pack it in because they were tired. They were very tired, yeah. and they all had some sort of abuse problems during with drugs six or alcohol years. during all yeah, the five time. Or six years, making six albums in like five years or whatever. They were really tired. So, but that really wasn't the way what what I had assert, what I had learned uh, before was that that was the that was kind of like the story, but that's not the truth. The truth was they were just going to take a break and they all decided, yeah, listen, let's I take... thought they broke up. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's yeah. what was the press release, right? Uh, or that was the, what they wanted, what the managers wanted to believe. It was like, Oh, we were tired. So we, we decided to go our separate ways. Not true. The band decided we need a break. Let's take a year off. Let's take a couple of years off. But let's work on solo projects and uh, and then come back to the band when we're all refreshed and got out all our
1: ideas. Well, yeah, I want to do it because it might be fun again.
0: Yeah. And this came as a total revelation to me. I did I really did not know that. Um, now the, the problem was is that a couple of a couple of the musicians, uh, Dennis Dunaway, who's the bass player, and Glenn Buxton, who was the uh, guitar player was having? They were tired. <laughs> there was a couple of people I uh, who just who just wanted to rest. And Glenn Buxton, of course, has always battled addictions since until the day he died, unfortunately. And that was a you know he had to get away. And uh, so they didn't do anything basically. They they just wanted to rest, which you can't blame them for and uh so you had drummer
1: neil smith there neil smith
0: who were done so now this is funny because everybody kind of goes their separate ways a couple of people decide to rest and get their family lives back together and a couple people neil smith oh man i'm drawing uh, michael Michael Bruce. bruce decide to do solo albums and what's interesting is that they tell chef gordon the legendary chef gordon the manager of Alice Cooper band and Alice Cooper himself eventually that, you know what, we're going to, we're going to work on our own solo albums. Michael Bruce and Neil Smith told Chef Gordon and he says, I don't know if that's a good idea. You guys should rest because if you guys do a solo album on your own, Alice is going to want to do a solo (laughs) album. And I'm telling you, if Alice does a solo album, it's going to be big and he may not come back. And he said, no, oh, no, man. <laughs> we played with him for years. We know him. We know him. That's, that shit's not going to happen. So the ironic fact of it, and really the sad fact of it, Neil Smith made his solo album, which didn't get released until 1999. That's I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's ironic. Like, And Michael Bruce okay, made this. his solo album called In My Own Way, which was only picked up in Germany.
1: And they decided, I heard, not to... Uh,
0: and then, yeah, in, in, in all the other places, like United States and Canada and UK, they didn't pick it up. They didn't release it. That it only weird. got released in Japan and Germany. That's now, a, that's sad, because it's he, like they both made solo albums that nobody... First of all, the Neil Smith one, they wouldn't release. Like, they wouldn't release the Michael Bruce one in, in the major markets. I've heard the Michael Bruce ones actually. Uh, Michael Bruce good. is a good songwriter. Like uh... he is. I heard it was a. Uh, I haven't heard the Michael Bruce album. I didn't even know Michael Bruce. Had, I mean, this this is yeah, really I've never under heard the of, radar. I'd heard of this album. Right. I hadn't heard of uh, Michael Bruce album. Been. I heard is actually very ballad orientated, mm-hmm. from what I understand from the from the things I've read, and uh, it's actually not a great album. But I have heard it's a very good album. But it just. Uh, it just wasn't picked up. I guess it just wasn't, for whatever reasons, not picked up. So the whole solo album thing, ironically, for the, other, for the Alice Cooper band, other than Alice, went by the wayside. It was just like nothing. Nothing was really released. So then the story that I heard from Michael Bruce said in, the, in, in, in an interview was that him and Neil Smith went to go see uh, the Welcome to My Nightmare rehearsals for the because Alice was ready to go on tour with his band and he had already had completed the Welcome to My Nightmare Tour, which was okay, or the album, which was okay because that everybody was supposed to do a solo album. But when they went to the rehearsals and and the guys saw Steve Hunter there and Dick Wagner on guitar <laughs> and and, practice, uh, John. and mm-hmm. practice John on bass, they said <clears throat> they're not he's not coming back. They actually said that while they were watching the, the rehearsals for the show that they found he's found people to replace us and they're 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 better than us and to be honest, we don't want to play this music. Um it was
1: moving in a different direction. He was after Alice. This album. Alice
0: made a deliberate move to, to do something which he couldn't do with the Alice Cooper band. And to be honest with you, he did great. I mean, this was a fantastic classic album, Welcome to My Nightmare. And the band knew, and well, we don't want to really do that. But they still had hope. They knew that they wouldn't be doing Welcome to My Nightmare on, a, on tour. But they still had hope that Alice would get this out of his system and come back to the band. But by the time he had released Goes to Hell and then went on tour again, they knew he wasn't coming back. And so they said, okay, well, let's let's get together and do our own album as the Billion Dollar Babies, and there was a lot of hard feelings, a lot more than I thought there was, a lot of hard feelings.
1: I I pretty much got the idea from listening to this that it was written uh, for Alice to sing. Like uh... that is very <laughs> that
0: is very true. This album that we're going to review by the Billion Dollar Babies, Bad Likes, was as was actually written for when Alice came back after Welcome to My Nightmare. And that was going to be, and it was a stage show. Alice said uh, that the reason that he left the band was because they didn't want to do any stage shows. <laughs> <laughs> but that was another thing that got the band mad. Because I, no, man, that's not the truth. We have, we actually have a stage show planned for this album. It's kind of a half concept album. And uh, that's a lie. I just think, you know, Alice was not in a good shape. He was was drinking, as you know about the amount of beers he was drinking. He was drinking cases of beer. Up until
1: 78. Up until 78.
0: So it wasn't like he was making rational decisions as far as speaking to the press. You kind of say dumb things when you're drunk and somebody asks you a question about your band. And you kind of say, ah, they're a bunch of fuck-ups. They didn't want to do what I wanted to do, so I left. Which wasn't the case. It was just a case of um, I think Alice wanted to go his way and the band wanted to kind of like do their own thing, but the band did write this album thinking Alice was going to sing it, which is interesting.
1: It is. It is I believe it, that the, that point of view affects your songwriting. I remember when uh, last year when I had that uh, idea to do the uh, science fiction rock opera, and I first started writing it, uh, there were four of us in the band. And then when uh, the one guy left, I realized, well, some of these songs aren't going to work now. Cause...
0: <laughs> there were four guys that band. And then when you started playing the material, there became less Yeah, bad. Yeah, there's there only three guys.
1: <laughs> and then uh, you, you rearrange the songs for that. And another guy leaves. And then there's only two
0: don't guys. Don't you see the connection? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm playing with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get me, man. I'm glad <laughs> they're going. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, your your perception does change when somebody leaves, and, and you know what? There was nobody to kind of. Alice wrote a lot of lyrics. He didn't obviously. These songs had yeah. had no uh, had no input of lyrics. Uh, so we're going to talk about the album now. Uh, damn but we were coming in really good on time, and then I got really involved with the uh, the background. Not not only the background with here, which is very interesting, but also the '70s memories also took a long time. <laughs> Who cares? You yeah. know, well, we we don't. What? It's it's not about time. We want to get our point across, and until we get our point across, uh, it's not a full show to us. So we just. I really needed. I think you. Pe- I think the people needed to hear the background of the album. That of the, the album. Movie. Yeah. So when I listened to this yeah. album, which was. Yeah. Released in 19, 19- I gotta, I just gotta remember that when we're done, Rob, the problems with actually distributing this album. It was released. Oh yeah, if yeah. You could, if we could talk about that, but we'll talk about the quality of the album. So at first, so I listened to this album, and I was going, well, you know what's the problem with this? This is, this is, this is not too bad. And so, like I said, I listened to this album about five, five times. Uh, in, in the one week, and I really listened to it hard, and I'm telling you, every time I listened to it, it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just did. It 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 had a certain appeal when I first listened to it. And a rock a, and roll
1: a, kind of rock and roll
0: kind of mid thing. to
1: late seventies. Uh, but
0: I know exactly exactly why this album did the way i I can tell you i'm pretty good at that (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty good at that you don't listen to a a thousand and one albums without having some perception of why some albums fail sometimes even when they're good and sometimes when they deserve to i'll tell you one thing they waited three years between the time that they parted with alice until they made the album everybody forgot about them uh Alice by that time was already had just released his third album which was uh Lace Lace and Whiskey and Alice is promoting his third album and you still are just about to release your first and uh, I I I you just don't I mean it's bad it's just a bad move you're you're destined
1: they have been rock stars for like four consecutive years and they were still operating on the uh, the rock star mentality of uh, this is just what just what we do, but that's so true. without uh, the fans, uh, you know, kind of knowing who we are. I I mean, everyone was going to know who Alice was. But uh, I think people even
0: forgot. I think people even forgot that there was an Alice Cooper band. I mean, you in those days, three years was so long, yeah, so long that yeah, with a the, lot of uh, new listeners. And Coming in because
1: of um, uh, Welcome to My Nightmare. That's where they uh, they knew Alice from.
0: If this album mm-hmm. was released in 1974, the same music, everything.
1: Yeah, with Alice it, in on. It, it
0: would have been, maybe not even Alice in on. Let's just say Alice didn't do it. Let's just say it would have done better than it did, <clears> which it didn't do nothing. I'll tell you what it did. It came in at number with a bullet at number 198 on the charts the, the next charts week are,
1: the charts only go to 200 don't they the next <laughs> week
0: it went down 199 and by the third week of its release it was never heard of again <laughs> like that's that's pretty bad i'm sorry but that's really well bad.
1: that's interesting because uh in trying to research this uh, album this week uh, i got almost nothing off but uh couldn't find oh, I, too many. I, I, no, uh,
0: I, it was hard. You had to look hard, but I actually found quite a bit on this because it's not. There's not a. There's there's not a lot of in, unless you start digging. There's actually not a lot. Yeah, of information you need on
1: to do this. some digging. you I, need to uh, do some digging, which I did for the for the first time. I had to use a different uh, medium to uh, listen to it.
0: Uh, released, released at a really bad time. The year of punk. Um, the year of disco dominating the charts. Uh, even Alice released <clears throat> Lace and Whiskey with with a disco song on it. Um, I'm not going to talk about Lace and Whiskey, the album, because I kind of like it, (laughs) and nobody else does. I think me and Rob like it, and not too many Alice fans do, but I like it because it's very diverse. And he wasn't standing still on one medium, but this album sounds so out of date. It It sounds like a 1974 album. It just doesn't mix in with what's going on. And then they have this really, to be honest with you, this stupid side to concept about the battle axe comes from. There's a battle between rock and roll with their axe guitar and disco with its axe guitar and they're both in the ring. This is actually the stage show. (laughs) They only played six shows because they got shut down because they ran out of money. And it's sad, but it's kind of like it's kind of like didn't you see the writing on the wall <clears> type of thing. And if they would they, actually, you know, they would actually have the ring and every. Sorry, Rob.
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say if they had still been uh, the rock stars in 1974, they would they would have had the backing to do a show like. If that. Alice
0: was here, if you he would have put the lyrics on here, and if you would have changed things around yep. a little bit, this could have been a really good album. I do admit that this could have been a really good yeah. album. Yeah, it might not have been, but it could have been.
1: The thing that was missing with Alice, the two things I'll mention, uh, the his personality and his sense of humor the sense of humor was completely not there i, agree I come to you. expect from i agree Alex. with
0: you 100% on both points cuz we talked about this last week
1: about yeah, how the, the doors the, of, uh, the doors
0: had no presence and they had no charisma yeah, uh, yeah. the albums were good but they weren't great and they weren't they didn't stand out because they didn't have jim morrison i'm not talking about I'm talking about everything that Jim Morrison encompasses, just like everything that Alice encompasses, uh, which is a great voice, an almost voice that 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 takes you by the hold and makes yeah. you listen, and his his sarcastic, funny lyrics, all that thing that that makes Alice Cooper the legend and rock and roll fame, rock and roll hall of fame artist that he is. They they just it's exactly the same as the Doors. They had enough. They decided to go with Michael Bruce singing the songs, just like The Doors did with Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger singing the songs. And again, Michael Bruce is not a bad singer. He's just bland as hell.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like I found that there were parts where it was uh, in, indistinguishable from Alice, especially um, uh, the end of the songs where they're doing the fade outs and uh, he's kind of uh, making up the words as he goes or it sounds like that.
0: But... Uh... It's close to, close to Alice. It is. Actually, the first song, Too Young, uh, is very much like uh, using the voice. Uh, Michael Bruce uses the voice of Alice in my, I'm 18. Yeah. Very much the same topic, actually. Even I'm, I'm too young and a uh, terrible song. <laughs> but it was just funny because he tried to get the Alice snarl in there. And the, the kind of like thing that Alice can do without even thinking right and uh it doesn't come off as embarrassing but it comes off as he's trying to imitate alice yeah and uh it just comes off everything comes off in his singing as again not as bad as i've read in reviews but just like you said last week bland (laughs) it, it, it was
1: i found it very alice like and i got to thinking you know uh if it got successful would there have been enough room for two alices based upon sound but Alice is Alice, and, uh, Alice is Alice, and Alice is Alice, you know this what? band was like a thing missing a part.
0: And like we said last week, and I think you, we're not mm-hmm. talking about just the singing. We're talking about the charisma. We're talking about the lyrics, like with Jim Morrison. We're talking about adding even musical parts that they're thinking of when they're here. Like there's so much that one person can add when you when you exit that and we're not just talking about Alice we're talking about Glenn Buxton not being there too and if I would have if I would have if we would have reviewed this album and I'd had to mention that I would have been very sorry about it because Glenn Buxton was the band as far as their brilliance was concerned uh I shouldn't say the whole band but because uh Michael Bruce wrote so many of the songs but Glenn Buxton has so many inventive guitar parts. And he added so many guitar parts that here and catchy parts and there. And not having Glenn Buxton there and not having any memorable guitar parts in this album. This is a double-edged loss. This is not just Alice. This is, man, you guys, oh, you guys should have rethought this. <laughs> because losing both was really bad. And But it's almost reviewing the same album we did last week with The Doors. Almost, I could say the same things and the album, but this one's worse. That's the problem is that both Doors albums that I've heard when they, when without Jim Morrison were good albums, but not great. This one, this one is, is in my, in my estimation, actually I don't want to hear it again because I've heard it five times and every time I hear it, it gets worse. I, uh, I, 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 don't think it's an abomination but i think it's a pretty uh dreadful album and i just think it's the wrong time i just think everything about this album is wrong and we have to put in why it's wrong because everything about this album is cursed because as you know rob when they went to press the album yeah. they said no why don't uh-huh. nobody still knows why they had to remix it and remaster it but they were just about to press the album and then somebody says, we have to remix and remaster this album. And nobody to this day knows why, but they had to push the release date back, which totally took, took the momentum out of them. And then when they did remix and remaster it, Rob, it skipped. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's
1: the thing that happened. In
0: certain parts, the album skipped on 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 a lot of copies. So a yeah. lot of copies got returned and they would say, do you want another one? No, thank you. And that's another thing that killed it's like this album was cursed. It really <laughs> is. And I I think that's what you wanted to talk about.
1: And the legal battle over the name.
0: And the legal battle over the name. And Can the, They Be the Billion Dollar Babies? It was just so cursed. And uh there are some like, oh man. There was some there was some nice I actually like the two ballads. I know we kind of gotta wrap up because we've already hit the 60-minute mark here, but I just want to say that I really like. The Bell on the First Side. which I like was oh, Wasn't I the One. I That's it was the one I really liked. nice. And I even liked, I think it was Rock Me Slowly. I think that was the song.
1: I like the uh, the part you didn't like, the um, the second half of the album, those last four songs or three songs. I loved listening to that. <laughs> that was...
0: We don't disagree much on this. <laughs> We've done like 27 shows or something, and we hardly disagree on anything. And it's not intentional. I believe if... if... But it really is... It really brings the album even down an extra. If uh,
1: Alice and Glenn Buxton from... and uh, Bob Ezrin were involved in this as well, I think this one would have been better than uh, agree, Alice Cooper goes to But hell. they're
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make that that quadruple ending of songs any better.
1: I liked it. I I thought it was a great. Okay, uh... no,
0: no, no. Yeah, I mean, you're entitled to that. Yep, yep. I don't mean that's I don't, my, I don't mean uh, to insinuate of... that you're wrong because you're not. Everybody's opinion is valid. <laughs> It's just mm-hmm. that, and I do agree. Like, if they had a Bob Ezrin, I don't know who. Uh, I actually do know who, but it's it's not. It wasn't Jack Richardson who did this album. It no, was, there no. was a no name that I've never heard of before. And believe me, I know about every musician and producer in the '70s, and I'd never heard of him. If if there was if there was um, if there was a Bob Ezrin, this album even could have been better than this. Obviously, Bob Ezrin's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And if he could have stayed off the coke long enough to really (laughs) take his time with this one (laughs) um yeah i really some of them some of these songs are really embarrassing like if even if i wrote them i would be embarrassed to even play them to my band i'm serious (laughs) and i'm I, i take some pretty dreadful songs to my band but there are songs here like rock and roll radio that i wouldn't even Bother to take to my band, I'd say, Oh, it's one of those songs that stay in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm I, too young. I had to write too it. Too young. It's just, Oh my God. Most of these, I admit, actually, that if I take my mind, like when I first heard this album and I didn't know about the concept at the end of the second side, I actually liked a couple <laughs> of the songs. Like I liked uh, Egomania going into Badlax. and But then when I knew, after about the second <laughs> listen, and I and I read about it, and I knew that there was a concept which behind the last four songs. Yeah. It tainted it for me, and I was thinking, "Oh man." It I suspected
1: there yeah. was a, a, a concept, but uh, no, I didn't really uh, lyrically didn't catch me anywhere. Okay. Didn't catch me anywhere at what all. What do you think Just of what, you, music what do you,
0: What do you think of Michael Bruce's singing?
1: Uh it was a whole lot better than I was uh, that I thought it was going to be.
0: I admit. I admit it was better. I had, of course, I had read that review in All Music, (laughs) which totally trashed the album and said that Michael Bruce as a singer should be shot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, that's uh, that's not accurate at all. I was actually I was surprised with the album. Uh, I thought it was going to be a stinker, and I thought, uh, geez, this is actually pretty good. So. uh,
0: Oh, that's that's. I you uh, know I I like the album. There are a lot of people who like this album. I have I in doing research I don't think I've done as much research for it album as I did for this one. And I'm serious. And as much listening as I did. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we've Curiosity.
1: We've talked, <laughs> we've talked about
0: it for a long time. We've talked about this like five, six. Weeks ago. So I've done I've done actually I've done actually some research before this last week, like a lot of research, because I was very interested in this album, yeah, being very, an Alice Cooper fan.
1: You're being surprised with new stuff that you didn't know about. Exactly. Like I'm not surprised
0: too often <laughs> listening to so many records from the 70s. I'm not surprised. So I actually really enjoyed having this album sprung on us. But uh, you, what I was saying was I had read a lot of reviews by people on websites Who have this actually love the album even more than you? They really love this album. Some people really don't. It's 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 almost a love them or hate them type album. And I don't hate this album. I don't think it's absolutely dreadful, but I do think it's fair at best. I'd give it two stars out of five
1: i give it a three to three and a half there. I uh, Like I said, I was surprised. That's I pretty good. thought it was going to be a stinker, and uh, I uh, actually enjoyed listening to it.
0: I actually would, probably would have gave it three on my first listen. <laughs> <lesson. laughs> but you never should listen to your first... Like, yeah, you want to yeah. base something on your first listen because there's so much that that you need to absorb. That's why, Rob, be, that's why Rob listens I, to an album for five I'd be, times. I'd be hating a lot more albums. I know. <laughs> Rob, that's why Rob listens to the, the albums as much as he does, and I, I commend him for it.
1: i got to try and figure out what it's about. See, this one, I wasn't able to figure out what it's about.
0: God, if somebody calls another song like Shine Your Love or Shine Your Light or
1: <sighs> whatever...
0: Whatever shine that you put on it, like it's the most unimaginative expression and it's the most unimaginative lyric. Just like all the other lyrics that have, I want to shine your light, oh shine your love on my on, on, on my light.
1: <laughs> Here's
0: some language that real
1: people don't use.
0: You know what? That's what I got out of most of these lyrics. I it's... get the same feeling from commercials. Yeah.
1: Television commercials. That's
0: I think what really bothered me about the lyric-wise is this is language that you just don't use. And a yeah. lot of these songs, like rock and roll radio, fuck yeah. that. That's one of the worst pieces of I shit knew. I've ever
1: heard. If Alice got a hold, he'd be, you know, making changes. In the... If Alice
0: got a hold of that, there would be, if he couldn't make it better, there would be no rock and roll radio on that <laughs> album. <laughs> fuck. But I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad we disagree for once.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird one. Like I, I was expecting an absolute stinker, and I thought, holy mackerel, this is uh, this is not bad. I mean, these guys. Uh, well, I'm glad they've...
0: because I didn't think it's an absolute stinker either, and uh, but I, I, I don't know. It, it just it uh, don't I just appeal a to big you. Big dis- It doesn't appeal to me. Big no, disappointment.
1: I, I put it, it. It could have somehow been in the bad company, meatloaf um, genre, but without Alice or. That missing piece. It, uh, yeah, it was like the Doors album.
0: Mm, mm, worse. I, I, I see the Doors albums. I think should have been released. I don't think this album, by most artists, would be released. That's how. That's what I really think. I really think that they should have said, Ah, oh, it's just not up to st- our standards. Let's not release it. Sorry. I think they, feel. they, yeah, they would have got it out you know earlier you, time, it might have done. Something. Maybe it should have because there are a lot of people like you who like it, and that's all that counts really.
1: So I was thinking, that, I think, what did it remind me of when um, uh, Peter Gabriel and, and Genesis
0: split? Yeah, I always think of that. Yeah, I always think of that when I think of, I think it always comes to my first thing in my mind when it's like a lead singer leaving a band and the band continuing. Yeah. It's always Genesis. <laughs> I, I
1: I would have thought if I was, you know, alive uh, at the time and I was a Genesis fan, I would have thought, you know, uh, I think Genesis is probably going to do all right. But uh, Peter Gabriel, he's probably going to crash and burn.
0: Right. Well, you were alive at the time, but we weren't listening to music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if
1: I was a fan at the
0: time. Yeah, yeah. I as, agree. as it was happening. I agree. Um, so that's it for today's show. A long show. And again, we apologize because we don't mean it to be that long. But we have to get our points in. Uh-huh. And uh, however long it takes to get what we want to say in is how long it takes. And we will see you next. Well, we won't see you next. I wish we could. I oh, wish yes. we could see you and hug you all. But we will be back next week.
1: We will be imagining you in our minds. Ooh. I just write
0: her